I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello again, you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Today's edition is jam-packed with information, ideas and gardening adventures. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the horticultural advisors here at RHS Gardens Wisley in Surrey. It's been a wonderfully busy few weeks here with the end of the school holidays rush and our spectacular annual flower show. This year we were honoured to have the presence of passionate garden lover Dame Judy Dench. Matthew Pottage gave her a tour of the garden. Well, we've had a very, very busy week or two now, actually. We had all the preparation for the flower show. A lovely flower show happened, and, uh, and we're just recovering the garden and repairing the lawns and everything afterwards. And it's a brilliant event for us in, in late summer. We welcomed over 50 nurseries, which we shoehorn in on the Seven Acres lawns, and the National Dahlia Society do a big kind of end-of-year show, which is always absolutely breathtaking. And then... We have big floral arrangement displays as well. And as ever, it was just a great place to come for the plants person, just for a great day out. And we were really, really lucky to welcome Dame Judy Dench to open the show this year. She is a big gardener herself and a big tree lover as well. So we were really privileged once she cut the ribbon and declared the show open to be able to take her around. She was really taken by some of our big plantings of culture comes though. Uh, the lovely, the sometimes known as naked ladies or autumn crocus. And we have those in big groupings around some of our trees in, in pinks and whites. So she'd not seen those before. Uh, she was also quite interested in the big carpet plantings of cyclamen heterifolium, the autumn flowered cyclamen. And then we, we treated her to a, a quite a detailed tour of our pinetum, where there's a, a really dramatic thuya tree, one called Thuya plicata zebrina. It's actually a big variegated-looking conifer, which is enormous. We think it's probably about 110 years old. And this monstrous thing has layered itself, so the lowest branches have touched the ground, they've rooted, and then those lower branches have touched the ground and those have rooted. So you can actually go inside this thing. It's like a monstrous cathedral-like tree. So we stood and marvelled at that, and she was very, very blown away. And then we actually went down to the furthest point of the garden where our new little catering outlet has opened, our Stone Pine Cafe. And the delights of the cafe were enjoyed, but also really to look at the Stone Pine itself. If any of the listeners at home haven't actually been to that furthest part of the garden, it's really worth a walk now because that Stone Pine, you can never get to it before. Like the last couple of acres of the garden were always closed off. And the house in which the Stone Pine Cafe is was always a private residence before. So it's lovely to have that opened up. 
And then just kind of on our on wider garden highlights on what's looking good in the autumn, I spoke about the Stone Pine area, but before that, between the Pinetum and where the Stone Pine Cafe is, is the new Heather Garden. And we've been working really hard to replant that, to lay that out again completely fresh. We have the National Collection of Heathers here. We've got nearly a 1,000 different varieties. And we've actually put 25,000 Heathers back in the ground. So rather than doing little groups of three and five in island beds, as we had before, we've got quite a big open, it's like a, a cultivated heathland landscape. We have a, a lovely oak-framed heather. We're calling it our heather shelter, but it's more like a little summer house to go in down there where people will be able to sit and admire the heathers. And we're hoping it'll all be kind of finished and wrapped up by late October, early November. So do come along and have a look. You're going to spot some beehives down there as well. The ones that are dotted through the heathers are, are just there really for display. But at the furthest end of the garden where people won't be walking, there will be quite a, a big apiary site. And the honey from that, this is very exciting, will be given to a gin company called Warner Edwards. They're making a honeybee gin, so we will have this lovely honeybee gin on offer, which is, of course, very exciting. And then on the wider Weasley landscape, if you can get to us and visit us before the first frosts, the exotic garden has just been going from strength to strength. Uh, that's been open a year in uh, kind of mid-September, and it's love the hot summer, and that is just super. So do try and get to the exotic garden if you haven't been there. And then on the seven acres, we've not mentioned our new entrance for a while. If you've been to Wisley, you'd see that a whole new building has sprung up now and we're ready to start the landscape, which is really exciting. So we need to put in all our new cherry trees that will form our new cherry tree avenue that you will walk in through. So over 100 flowering cherries and what we're calling our village square. So that's all very exciting. And then we're still looking to open that new entrance and be functional there early next year, hopefully before Easter dates TBC. But it's a very exciting journey to have been on and I can't wait to see the planting going in there now and waving goodbye to those building contractors. Curator of RHS Garden Wisley, Matthew Pottage. You can find links to more information about the garden, the new developments and events on our programme page rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. Now, have you ever fancied going on a horticultural adventure? Each year, our bursaries team award thousands of pounds of grants to help people investigate the plants and horticultural questions that may intrigue them to enrich and expand the frontiers of horticultural knowledge. RHS bursaries have launched voyages of discovery that have transformed people's careers and indeed lives. So let's hear from some of those involved this year. I am uh, Amy Beth Browning and I'm one of the gardeners here at Harlow Carr and um, work on the Woodland team. I just recently came back on a trip back from the United States to see the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and North Carolina. I applied for a bursary through the RHS to be able to go there to see the wildflowers of the area, particularly ferns and trilliums. I found a lot of things, a lot of things that surprised me as well. Um, I primarily was going to see trilliums. I researched before I went to see 
particular species in different areas of this national park. These are the first time I ever saw them in their natural habitat. I've been gardening with them for so long. This was the first time I actually got to see them where they naturally grow and actually grow with all these other wildflowers that I grow here. So I got to see their companion plants in real life. A few trillium species uh, just growing on these embankments, on these slopes, just, just drifting down. Something that I thought was so delicate and sweet for all these years. These plants were growing, you know, on the sides of ravines, getting flooded, you know, growing at these crazy, crazy slopes. Just tremendous in that sense. And I think the wildlife as well. I mean, I now when I'm gardening with them here, I'm just remembering that amazing bird song. I've never heard bird song in my life like that before in this deciduous woodland. It was almost like noisy to a degree. And the overlapping songs that I heard were tremendous. And also um, the history of, of what a national park is and, and how it's created. My head's already kind of like swimming with loads of ideas. But seeing the plants, that trilliums in particular, with these other wildflowers that I was growing separately, but them actually growing together in the same place, creating these dense carpets together. And it's like, why, why grow them separately? Let's make these beautiful carpets here or replicate it maybe with some British natives, you know, these different textures together here and replicate that lovely quilt that you almost see, this tapestry on the floor and I would love to be able to create that for people to come and take a slow, quiet walk and appreciate that ground cover. I think people should apply for a bursary for many reasons. It definitely you get to see landscapes, if that's what you're interested in, really for what they are, what plants need, what their habitats are truly like, and then how you can try to put that into your practice and you know grow healthier plants. But there's also the artistic inspiration that comes from it as well. It may not be able to grow the exact same plants, but you'll definitely think of things that you might be able to replicate it with. So the creative potential and the ideas that you go away with are amazing. And it fuels you. It fuels you to get back into the garden. You want to grow, you want to plant, you want to learn. And along the way, in different trips that I've been on, I've just encountered so many people that have inspired me as equally as the plants and the wildlife because they love it as much as I do and they're so passionate and they want to share. So I really just couldn't recommend enough for people to get out there, apply for a bursary and go see something. And when people say to me that they don't know what to apply for, they don't know where to start, there's so many places, I just tell them to think of the things they love and what actually gets them genuinely excited inside. Like if they're going to tell a friend, like I'm going to the, if that makes them that excited, that's where you need to go. Those are the things you need to learn about. Those are the things that you want to explore because you really are just going back to being an exploring kid again. I'm Chris Moncrief. I'm the Head of Horticultural Relations for the RHS and I look after many of the charitable aims of the society. Um, the bursary scheme is a really lovely opportunity for you to take on where we encourage people to apply for us to give money for people to travel, take up adventures really uh, all around the world. And um, anyone can apply uh, as long as they, they've got horticulture within what they do. So it can be a, a very keen amateur gardener. It can be a professional horticulturalist. Uh, it can be a horticultural student or anybody associated with horticulture. So maybe a botanical artist, uh, a horticultural scientist, someone like that. They, they can all apply for a, for a bursary. So if you win a bursary, um, you can tailor it to maybe something that you really want to do. So if you're a particularly passionate, uh, maybe about bromeliads, uh, and you know that they're 
best and around the world is in Brazil for instance we actually had a young person who really loved that particular plant saw the opportunity to travel and applied to us to for us to give them some money to go off to Brazil plant hunting for bromeliads in the jungles the South American jungles uh, what a fantastic opportunity that was the aims of the scheme really is about development um, development across all age groups anybody young, middle-aged, anyone who's perhaps at the end of their careers as well, we just want to encourage them to develop their own abilities, their skills, their knowledge, that kind of thing, by taking up opportunities that they, they, could, they can find that will do that. So it's, it's personal development, I suppose you would, you would probably target it, but also we're also targeting certain skills as well around plants, around knowledge, uh, around horticultural knowledge. We do have some people that apply just for a few hundred. We have some people that do apply for that, uh, maybe two or three thousand. But it very much depends on what they want to do with the money, where they want to go in the world. Um, we've got people going off for a conference this month to Australia. So you can see that the, the opportunities literally is worldwide. We've just got some people come back from Kazakhstan where they've been studying plants in the wild. So the opportunities are immense. It's more about your imagination, more about the opportunity and about an adventure that you want to do. So people can apply to the RHS if you uh, look on the website rhs.org.uk forward slash bursaries. Everything's on the pages there as to what you need to do to apply for one of these. We've also got a lovely lady called Rowena in the office um, and she'll help you do all the necessaries around applying. And she's absolutely fantastic at directing you in the right way to do that. I'm Toby Warren. I'm a second year student here at RHS Wisley, um, one of the diploma students. We knew as a year group that there was the opportunity of going on a bursary trip. And so we got together as the 11 of us and we organised to go to Portugal. And we also wanted to go somewhere that had uh, dry summers because we were very conscious about climate change. And the latest RHS reports is showing that the UK will have uh, drier summers in the future. So we wanted to see if we could tie that into our trip at some point. Uh, we had a great contact with the uh, Mediterranean Plant Society. We went to see some of their private gardens. We then went to see some native flora in the Algarve. We then drove up to Lisbon and we uh, visited a number of gardens around Lisbon, including Sintra. And there were some beautiful gardens up in Sintra, which is an incredible place because they have a humidity from the sea that blows in from the Atlantic. You come up out of the plains of Lisbon where it's very dry and arid into this place where there's tree ferns and mosses and it's absolutely gorgeous. Highlights were finding native orchids uh, there were plenty along the coast south of Lisbon. The species diversity was so high that we were just kind of spellbound at the number of different orchids that we could find within, you know, a metre square piece of ground. Walking up through the mountains of Arabida, there was the pale purples of the lavender, the pale yellows of the cistus, all this coupled with the heat of the sun and the aromas of the rosemary, the chirping of the crickets. It was um, very typically Mediterranean, but it's, uh, I haven't ever experienced anything like it. I'd recommend the bursary for anyone. You don't have to work for the RHS. It's open to absolutely anyone. And it's just such an incredible opportunity to get funding to go and do something that you're interested in. As long as it's related to horticulture, you know, the world really is your oyster. As before, you can find links to more information about RHS bursaries and education schemes on our website.
If you'd like to pursue your interest in gardening a little closer to home this autumn, there are plenty of RHS events and exhibitions happening around the UK, from plant fairs at Rosemore and Hyde Hall, an autumn festival at Harlow Carr, to Heather and Sickleman shows at Wisley. There's loads to see and do. For further details, visit rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. Here's Fiona Davison. Our next exhibition at the Lindy Library is called Healing Garden. It's looking at our collection of old herbals, books which describe the medicinal properties of plants. What we're looking at with this exhibition is the fact that lots of plants that we grow today for our ornamental gardens actually started out as parts of a family's medicine chest. For instance, did you know the reason we first started growing foxgloves was because we thought that it would cure epilepsy? And indeed, today modern science has found out that digitalis, foxgloves, have a compound inside which actually is an anticonvulsant and scientists are looking to see if it's got potential as a treatment for epilepsy. October sees pupils and teachers involved in the campaign for schools gardening celebrate the fruits and vegetables of their labour in the RHS Big Soup Share. Launched last year to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the campaign, it was such a success, we decided to make it an annual event. My name is Fuchsia Wilkins and I'm the school's communications officer for the campaign for school gardening. So the Big Soup Share is an event that's in its second year now. It's all about celebrating the hard work done by schools and youth groups out in the garden. And it's a really simple premise. We're just asking people during one week in October from the 8th to the 14th to harvest all their homegrown vegetables, turn them into delicious soup and share them out with their school or local community. Autumn's a really bountiful time of year, so it's a nice time to celebrate all the hard work that you've done. And it's a really great way to highlight all the work that's going on in the garden and get some other people aware of all the stuff that's going on there. In 2017, we ran the soup share for the first time. That was to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the campaign for school gardening. We had almost 1,000 schools and youth groups took part last year. Between them, we estimate that they've served a whopping 57,000 portions of soup. Um, There was all sorts. Most people um, went for standard varieties, such as mixed vegetable, tomato, leek and potato, that sort of thing. Um, The weirdest soup that we got, according to the campaign for school gardening team, was parsnip and apple. We've not tried it ourselves but apparently it was delicious. The Big Soup Share is open to all schools and youth groups in the UK. You can sign up on our website. You can go to schoolgardening.rhs.org.uk forward slash Big Soup Share and sign up online to receive a free resource pack which will send out to you in good time for your event. It contains lots of recipes and posters and things to make the event a super success. But we also have lots of online resources that can be downloaded, ranging from soup-related bunting, certificates that you can print out, invitations to get people to come. And my personal favourite, we've also got a, a chef hat template, which you can print out and make with your school group. This year, we really want to encourage schools and groups to go out and share their soup with their community. For example, we had some pupils at Colin C of E Primary School in Wiltshire. Their gardening club made a delicious homegrown leek and potato soup. They invited an elderly luncheon club to the school uh, to share it with them and they, they even made bread to share out with the elderly people as well. I think everyone really loved taking part so the school is going to hope to repeat the experience this year. 
Our schools also are quite enterprising with the soup share because it's such a simple premise. It allows room to, to make it their own. Magaberry Community Garden in Northern Ireland was involved uh, last year. They decided to host a soup share and offer a free lunch to help entice people to help them out in their garden, which I think is ingenious. Um, they serve some of their soup hot and they actually put the rest in tubs and sold it to passers-by to make some money for their garden. So they've been kitted out with seeds all year, apparently, because of the profits. Fuchsia Wilkins from the RHS Campaign for School Gardening. And finally, hedgehogs. The numbers of these much-loved creatures are dwindling at an alarming rate. The loss of garden habitats, increased road use and impermeable fencing are just some of the factors affecting their survival. Voracious consumers of garden pests such as snails, hedgehogs are a gardener's friend. There are a few simple steps that you can take to make your plot more hedgehog friendly and help halt this decline. At RHS Harlow Carr in North Yorkshire, they've created a hedgehog garden showcasing some simple wildlife friendly techniques. I'm Tom, Tom White. I work on the floral and ornamental team here at Harlow Carr and one of my areas of responsibility that I look after is the hedgehog gardens here at Harlow Carr. So we've got three different styles of hedgehog garden. One is more sort of a Mediterranean style with paving. One is a wildlife garden with wildflower turf in there with a willow arbor. And then we have a modern contemporary garden as well. So we've got water in there, which gives people an idea of what they can do in their own garden and they're not massive gardens but three very different styles and the important thing is to make sure that wildlife and hedgehogs can actually pass through the gardens particularly if you're in a built-up or urban area or an urban garden in the stone wall we've built different styles of holes that wildlife and hedgehogs can pass through as well as in the fences there's a cd sized hole cut out so that hedgehogs can pass through and also under the hedge as well and in the rill, you know, you can have water in a small garden or a small area. Just make sure that you've got some kind of ramp or it might even just be stones that are built up so that wildlife and hedgehogs can get in and out easily if, if they, you know, happen to get in there. Hedgehogs travel and move a lot further than people think. So it's important that we create corridors for them to pass through. I think it's important for wildlife in general we just need to be mindful of that because obviously pollinating insects, you know, they're all part of the food chain, food source. So if we didn't have it, it would be such a loss. I hope people are inspired by smaller areas, smaller gardens. Hopefully they can visualise one of these three gardens in their own garden. And hopefully, you know, even if it's just cutting a hole in their fence, they've got something away from what they've experienced when they visited the garden. I would probably have sort of some shrubby planting that hedgehogs can actually go underneath and, you know, make nests or make a little home or a hideaway. So something where it's a little bit of cover. And you can also have herbaceous things in there that are good for pollinating insects and wildlife. It could be rebecchias, it could be the echinacea we're talking about. Just a good diverse selection of plants. But I think hedgehogs like cover and, you know, leaf litter. So if you can create a little log pile or that sort of woodlandy corner or shady corner, wildlife will enjoy that and particularly hedgehogs. Well, that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. 
In the meantime, if you can't wait for your next dose of gardening insight and inspiration, our brand new podcast, The Garden, will be launched next week. Available to download for free and from the RHS website, we take you behind the scenes at the RHS's award-winning members magazine to explore the issues that are exciting the gardening world right now. We need more ecologists, more entomologists, more bryologists, all these people, more scientists to look at this and work alongside gardeners so we have the direction to do the right thing. The brand new podcast, The Garden, out next week. Until then, from me, Jenny Bowden, and all here at RHS Wisley, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Crest robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Crest robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.